lot of people saying the blues, the blues. But I'm gonna tell you what the blues is. When you ain't got no money. Welcome to Row 2 Play Podcast. I am your game master, Kent Blue. We are an actual play podcast where I play tabletop role-playing games with my friends from all over the world. So if you're ready, grab a player sheet, grab some dice, and let's roll to play! What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Road to Play Level Up, as we're calling it, which I think is a pretty great name. I have my co-host with me, as usual, Kristen Devine of Dice Up Games. Kristen, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm so excited. This is our second episode, and we named the show. I know, right? Yeah, so we have a new name. It is called Level Up. I think it's pretty great. I think it's fitting. Uh, your husband, Tim, did some nice uh, logo for did a nice logo for us that's going with it, so... Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it, this monthly chat we're doing. And this month, uh, we are actually going to talk a bit about romance games. It's February, so it's the right time of year for that. And we have brought on uh, someone that I think knows quite a bit about romance games. Uh, I would almost say an expert on romance games. Uh, Emily Careboss, uh, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Awesome to be here in February for romance. Yeah. Well, we are certainly, certainly glad to have you. Yes. Thanks for joining us, Emily. We're really excited to chat with you. Do you want to take a minute to talk about um, some of the things that you've worked on or some of the things you're working on currently that you want to share? Sure. Thanks so much, Kristen. Um, So I'm Emily Care Boss. Uh, You can find me at Twitter at Emily Care. And I wrote, I think um, the the games that people most know of mine are my romance trilogy, Breaking the Ice, Shooting the Moon, and Under My Skin, uh, which uh, a couple of years back I put together. I had been publishing each of them separately for about 10 years or something. And I put them all together in one volume and like worked for six months and made a million hacks and mods. So there's all kinds of versions of these games in there. and uh, so you can find it at my website or drive through in various places. Um, and they each have a romance theme, hence me being on to chat with you folks about romance games. And there's there's another game I'm working on. I'm actually working on a bunch of games. So one of the games I'm working on right now is another romance sort of game. Uh, it's very influenced by fandom and fanfic stuff. Um, and it, it the basic premise is that um, there's a ghost who haunts a house and then uh, someone else who inherits the house uh, meets the ghost and they fall in love and then they solve mysteries together. Um, <laughs> it'll be called Stillwater. And it sort of like has a time travel element where there's different time periods that they can explore or have mysteries come from. And one part of the mechanics that I'd really like to have in it is that there's two people who always play the, the ghost and the journalist who's uh, inherited this house that the ghost left. And then other people play other people that they know, like sidekicks or other people who are involved in the mysteries and things. And you, the the two, the ghost and the journalist, they can't get together. There's always something that's keeping them apart. A little bit, you know, reminiscent of of Starcrossed mm-hmm. um, that we're going to talk about a little later, I think. But in that lovely fanfic way, you can always play them getting together. It's just anytime you do, someone else has to be playing those two characters. So it's like not technically canon for play. I love that. <laughs> I already want to play this game. I love this. <laughs> when it's in play test, I'll let you know. I'm still working it out, but. Perfect, yeah, I'd love to play test that. Sounds very exciting. Yep, I agree. That is very cool. I like I like a lot of things with like a time travel element to it. It's really cool. I kind of want to open the show and talk about just a little bit about stuff we've been playing lately. Uh, I'll let one of you two go first. So I got to play uh, Wolfspell recently. My husband, Epidiah Ravishel, uh, just recently finished a Kickstarter for it. Um, for this version that'll be on a album cover, which is going to be awesome and metal. So um, while that was going on, while he and, and Shell Khan were doing the, the campaign, folks at actual play have been running wolf spell campaigns and, or rather games on Sunday mornings. So I got to howl with the wolves and <laughs> it was really fun and really tragic. You know, I was this warrior who was haunted by the people that she killed and, and then went to this other world to rescue someone from Faye with all these other people who were turned into wolves. And, uh, and I stayed behind. I didn't make it back and I was a wolf forever. So <laughs> that that's, was awesome. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Wolfspell. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, I think I was on a Victory Condition Gaming, and I think I think Wolfspell is, is my most anticipated game of the year. So it's it's you know I, I back the Kickstarter. The the artwork that Shell Khan's doing just looks amazing on that Trifold album cover. I, I just can't wait to get it. You know, to be able to play it. Awesome! I'm so glad. Yeah, well, it was a blast. That sounds like a really fun session. We um, Tim and I were able to watch one of the actual plays because there was a there was a few of them. Correct during the Kickstarter. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And they're continuing on, actually. They just did one. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, we were able to, to as we were wrangling children, uh, watch one of them. And we backed on Kickstarter as well. We cannot wait to play that game. We're excited. So it, It's kind of fun how, you know, just putting that game out into the world, there's a bunch of people who weren't even role players who were just like, we love wolves. So they backed it. <laughs> and it's kind of nice seeing these overlapping interests and just joy in yeah. these wild things. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, wolves, wolves are kind of a big deal here. I mean, with like Wolf and Newt or that holiday that that, that kid created and everybody kind of kind of celebrated, which what? did y'all hear about that? Wolf, no. Wolf and Newt? Or, let me see if I can look it up real quick. I remember the story. Basically, some kid just came up with it and and his, his parents shared it on social media and everybody just like grabbed onto it. That's the best. How great is that? Yeah, it's a seven-year-old's uh, seven made-up holiday. Uh, goes viral. <laughs> <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah, uh, it was after a New Zealand boy told his mom about the holiday, the spirit of the wolf brings and hides small gifts around the house for everyone. So. Oh, that's <laughs> adorable. So wolves were, were on a lot of people's minds, so... Uh, whether planned or not, it seems like Wolfspell came exactly at the right time. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, actually, just last night, I played it in my first ever game of Blades in the Dark by John Harper. Uh, it was it was a funny game. I'm not sure if that's how Blades <laughs> typically runs, uh, but I, pl- I played a leech who... Uh, the session we ran had to do a lot with, like, uh, um, like fashion, uh, well kind of two competing fashion gurus. Uh, so a guy who's making a lot of denim and then a higher end fashionista. And <laughs> somehow I ended up running around half the session in jorts, jean shorts. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it, I mean, we burned down two buildings during the thing. Uh, one on Respectful. accident. Yeah. One on accident, <laughs> one on purpose. Uh, but <laughs> It was good. You know, I, I'd never played Blades. And as as much as it's talked about and everybody, I just, I hadn't experienced it, never really heard much about it. I knew it was kind of a heist game at times, uh, kind of planning heists and stuff, but yeah, all of it was new to me. So I had a, I had a good time with it. Uh, it was it was pretty good. I played with Tim, <laughs> uh, Jay, who actually played in Swords Without Masters on, on the show with Epi, and uh, mm-hmm. Jake Householder, who is, uh, they are... The graphic designer and layout, I think, for code for the Gauntlets Codex. Oh, um, cool! They designers, awesome. uh, co-designers of uh, Vigor. So uh, they ran it. Jake ran it for us, and it was it was really fun. I'm hoping we can continue our story a little later on. That's awesome. I love the flashback uh, element of that game. Yeah, where it's a little it reminds me a little bit of the the show Leverage, where you know, like you're in the heist, and then you're like, okay, so how did we set this up? It's such a great way to deal with that element of yeah the adventure. Yeah, the different phases of it all were, were pretty cool and how they work together. Okay, I um, recently played a game of Dark Places and Demigorgons on Victory Condition Gaming. Um, it was my first time playing uh, both on Victory Condition Gaming and on a live actual play. So, oh wow, I little, yeah, I was a little nervous. It was my first time, but good for luckily, you. You did Tim it. Gave me and Tim gave me some tips. They've both been on many times before, um, and also after like five minutes, it's just role playing. I didn't even think about people watching anymore, but Jody Brandt came on. I got to play with um, Amanda and Doug, which is great. Uh, and then I played for the first time with uh, Ian and Jason Hunt, Ian Rollins and Jason Hunt. So it was, it was a blast. We got to be teenagers um, fighting some, oh, I can't remember the name of the monster. I want to say Spriggan. I think Anyways, that sounds right. Yeah. We got to yeah. fight these really cool monsters and uh, everyone survived. Which was nice. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, I fully made my character expecting not to make it, 
but I did. Uh, Is there a so, term for the opposite of a TPK, a, a total party survival? <laughs> there should be. There should be, exactly. That's what it was, total party survival. <laughs> but yeah, that was a fantastic game, and I, I uh, finally was able to be on victory condition, so it was it was awesome. Well, good. Yeah, um, I, was, I was able to listen to it whenever it was replayed on the podcast, and it sounded like everybody had a really good time. It seemed like a pretty pretty simple system, uh, which I don't think I'm familiar with the system, the dark places and demigorgons, but it seemed like it was pretty pretty straightforward and mm-hmm. pretty simple. Yeah, it was. It was, and Jody did a great job uh, GMing it, so I, I didn't have to worry too much about when to roll. He walked us through all of that, but yeah, pretty simple rules. Um, character creation was a little in-depth. They have this really cool random table you can roll to give your character more of a background, and they have, I think it's 100 or 200 options. My goodness. Um, and nice. we didn't do that because it was a one-shot, but for a campaign yeah. to give your character depth, it was, it's a really cool uh, addition to the game. So that anyway, that was fun. a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll just jump into romance games, just kind of just sure. have a, a conversation, you know, just see where we go with it. I'll start if it's okay, Emily. I just wanted to ask what um, was your, I guess, what was like your inspiration or what inspired you to write your trilogy? Sure. Um, the first one was Breaking the Ice and it was, it was the first game that I really finished. I had written a couple in shorter form before, and this was long, long ago, back in the early 2000s, right? Um, so I got the idea um, really from some arguments that were happening online uh, about people just not thinking that someone else could play someone, a character that wasn't the same gender as them. And I was oh. incensed because that seemed ridiculous Um, (laughs) and and, and also understandable. Like there's a lot of representation issues that people are really digging into deep right now Mm -hmm. in the role-playing world and, you know, broader culture that are really important. But, but what this, what the argument was about was at heart something that I, I felt like didn't make sense. And that was that we couldn't understand someone who wasn't like us and that it wasn't safe if, if, if there would never be a safe place to be able to represent somebody who wasn't like us. So that was part of what went into writing Breaking the Ice. Um, and the game sort of has a switch where you, you it, it's just two characters. They're going on their first three dates and you see if they fall in love and stay together or if they don't, you know, they don't have to. Um, and you, when the two people who are playing play the game, they, they just talk a little bit beforehand and figure out some ways that they're similar or different. And then they choose one of those differences and they have the characters share the differences, but they each play someone who's like the other person. So maybe, you know, one person's a computer programmer and one person's uh, a police officer. So they trade, you know, the the characters will be like the other person. Um, And gender is one of those swaps that you can make, but you can use whatever you feel like. Um, So that ended up bringing me into romance sort of backwards because I was thinking about this the the playing someone like a character like someone else and then I wanted to just do a two-person game and I was like oh what's a situation where you have two characters doing things oh romance right <laughs> <laughs> so that's what started it all for me it was more about the premise and then got yeah. into the, the themes that's fantastic I did not know that was I'm so glad I asked because I honestly did not know that that was the inspiration for breaking the ice and that's that's really cool <laughs> I also love romance stories, so I think it wasn't mm-hmm. like out of nowhere for me, right? But you know that that it's funny that it came backwards and then then sort of blossomed from there, right? Yeah, that you know when you start. I mean, I I don't know why, but it, I don't. That wasn't like the answer I was expecting. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, I guess I was expecting that you set out like to write a romance game, but I think it's really cool that it, that it, the way that where it came from, because I think that is, I mean, I mean, it's still a conversation that people are having today about, you know, playing someone opposite of who they are or, or someone like playing a character. They don't have a lot of experience with that, you know, who that person is in real life. So I think that that's really, really interesting. And then um, just caught me off guard that that was your answer, but it's really cool. Yeah, it, it it sounds like it's not only fun, but so much about role playing games. The more that I, I play and get into the industry, the more I'm learning that it's 
it's so important and, and role playing, it helps us connect with ourselves. It helps us connect with other people and to play a game where you um, play your differences and you play almost as someone else helps you understand them better, yourself better, become more comfortable in discomfort. I love yeah. everything about the foundation of that game. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, and it, because it was kind of a tender subject, you know, both romance or, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone, that sort of shaped a lot of the design too. The fact that it's two people, it, it's a very safe, it's a very closed container. You're not having a lot of people who are watching you, you know, it's just you and the other person and you're both sort of off, off your, your, your comfort zone the same way. And you're also there as a resource for each other. So the mechanics are all very collaborative. You know, you give suggestions to one another and then you you award dice as a way to say, all right, that's great. I like that. Um, or you can ask questions about, oh, maybe we can do it a different way. Um, and so it just somehow sort of worked together that the the structure of two people and the collaborative nature of it worked for that kind of premise of, of exploring. Um, and the other games have very different sort of feels to them. So it's it was kind of neat actually working with one theme through three games and then iterating them further because it just helped me see again, which I knew, but there's so many different takes you can do on the same subject material. Even mm -hmm. if it's like, you know, one story or one theme, there's just art, you know, that's 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 art, right? <laughs> there's just so many different ways and so many, so many different perspectives that you can bring to it. That's endless. So when after you wrote Breaking the Ice, did you like were you immediately uh thinking about doing other games in the romance genre? Or I mean, did they just kind of come just at different times? Uh well, again, there was kind of an odd way that the second the game came about. Um, I was playtesting it and running it after I put it out, and a friend of mine had brought it to a group, and so they were playing it. And I later really figured out that there's collaborative ways you could have a group play together like you could have a group date where there's you know two or three couples going on a date together um i wrote a scenario actually that uh sets that in a fictional life-size dungeon uh theme park where you are like two or three couples who are like going on this adventure, like you full costume, dressing up, going into a dungeon with like special effects and stuff. And, and you're potentially falling in love. <laughs> um, you can choose whatever setting you want, but I, I love that one. Um, but I didn't know that at the time early on. So I, when I was running it with lots of people, it would just break off and you'd have pairs, you know, sort of sitting, you know, playing together. Um, and I had one friend who did that and he said, oh, well, we had an odd number. So we didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, odd numbers. I, and I, they figured it out. Maybe three people played a different game or something. But then I thought, well, why don't I just write another game, right? That would have three people. Uh, and so if you have, if you're playing Breaking the Ice and you have a group, you can also play this game. And then I said, well, all right, I'll write another game, but maybe it could be two or three people. And I was like, oh, well, it's a love triangle. And so then it just was this whole other journey of a totally different, you know, sort of related, but different rule set. And writing it for three or two people was like, it was a really interesting challenge. And also not this, these two games aren't technically GM'd games. You play that sort of role for each other in a rotating fashion, you know, and where you're supporting the other person or providing adversity. Um, and um, so Shooting the Moon, this love triangle game, that what it ended up being about for me was um, making a space where people could experiment with the role of being a GM. Because that's another thing that like, I, I personally didn't take to that at all initially. I played in these games in college where there was like 11 of us and one GM and we were all kind of making up the world on the plot and nuts, nutsy stuff like that. So um, I, um, when I later played more traditional games, I was a player rather than a GM. And it took me a long time where I felt like I was like watching people who I liked as GM. Like, what are they doing? And what, how do I do that? <laughs> so it was fun to take this game and say, okay, well, let's break down what you do as a GM. And you just, I'm um, just like, you're just going to have to do one of those things at a time, you know? And like, mm -hmm. so you play it and, you know, there's different, 
types of turns, you know, if it's focusing on the suitors who are trying to get the, the beloved to fall in love with them or the beloved and um, the, you know, so you have the suitor and one beloved sort of hanging out, doing things together. And then the other player, the other suitor is just watching. They're the opponent and they're just waiting for a moment to throw a wrench in the works so that they can make something more, you know, complicated happen or something go wrong for those two. So it just boils it down to like the simplest element of being a GM and giving you structure around that. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, I feel like that worked uh, as a way to approach the game. And then romance in that is one of the elements, but um, there's sort of this interesting thing where it, you develop the world a lot. So I find that that game uh, it's a little less intimidating for people who are like romance. Uh, um, <laughs> it's also competitive, which I was an initially nervous about having, but was encouraged by some other friends who were like, no, no, people like to compete. And that actually is an element that people enjoy. Um, and what was really important to me about writing that game was the beloved is their own character. If there's three players, if there's only two players, you're playing the suitors and the beloved is not as well fleshed out, but if there's three players or more, because you can sort of team play, um, then the beloved has their own dream that they're trying to accomplish. And, you know, the, the people playing the suitors, they're trying to be relevant in the the, the beloved's life. Um, and if it is possible for the suitors to just fail miserably and for the beloved to like go on and do their thing. <laughs> <laughs> I like that because I guess it's, it's a ro- I mean, it's a romance game, and I think I think some people's ex- expectations coming into a romance game is might be, hey, we're going to tell this story about these people who fall in love, and it all works out. You know, I don't I don't know that a lot of people would be like, hey, we're going to tell this. Not that this was what shooting the moon is, but that people are, we're going to tell this story where it's this relationship that just doesn't happen. A lot of you know, like emotions go into it. It just just doesn't happen. You know, like I guess a lot of times in real life. So that's one thing I like about it is that it's not. Just because it's a romance game doesn't mean that it's a guarantee that, you know, things are going to end up with with a relationship happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of other romance games out there that kind of follow that same line as well. Yeah. I mentioned Starcrust earlier, and that's yeah. just this wonderful, poignant element of the game. It's like, no, we want it to happen. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Dark Cross is a game I want to play real bad, and I almost played this week. I, I was trying to get my wife to play, which she has zero interest in role playing games. So <laughs> I didn't try too hard because I don't want to be like, "Hey, I love this thing; you need to love it too." Because I don't want—that's not how it is. So, but I tried to get just just so I could have it played. But it's a game that I really want to play. I just, you know, I do a lot of online play, so it's hard for me to nail down. And I know people have built like. um different things to play it online. Uh, I know it's when mm-hmm. build like a where random number generator or something where you can play it online, but I, I really want to play it with the tower. You know, I think that, you know, just like it does for, for dread. I think the tower is very much a part of the game is everyone at the table in those games. Mm-hmm. There's something about that physical element that just like gets your heart racing and yeah. you know, you're, 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 you're all tense about whether it'll fall or not. And just, it, it's pretty awesome. I played um, with a friend of mine who uh, had backed it and was all excited to play. So we got together and we played and we did one story and the, the tower fell really soon. Um, and so it was this very sweet, poignant story. We, we hadn't gotten nearly far enough for these characters to get together. So it's like, oh, it was a might, what might've been. And we ended and we're like, oh, that was really fun. And then we looked at each other and we're like, you want to play again? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One thing I also like about Starcross is it seems like I think it's kind of a game about like shipping or can be. I mean, you can take I know a lot of people like come up with like, oh, my Starcross game is going to be this character and this character, you know, so it's a lot of people are talking or uh, talking about who they play as, even if you know, maybe they don't play it. I think it just puts kind of like that people in that mindset that that's one thing I think is really cool about just the, the concept of it. You can take it and just take characters from anything you love, which I know party of one, they did uh Jeff Stormer did um like a whole wrestling themed one about, about two wrestlers traveling <laughs> and, and falling in love. And it was, it was amazing. That's I have not awesome. heard that. I'm going to go back and listen. I have not heard that episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, um, I actually played Shooting the Moon. Um, it's the only romance game I've played. Oh, and 
I played it with uh, my husband, Tim, and with Kent, and it was the first time I met Kent and the first time I was on a show. <laughs> wow. I, I would say we didn't play it as much as we kind of accidentally didn't play it as a romance game. I, I, I say in my mind a lot. So, <laughs> Yes, we, we were um, – Kent was the beloved and he was like the overlord and Tim and I were minions Oh, nice. trying to be his right hand basically. Yeah. So totally. uh, it's a great spin. Yeah. So different spin on it. Not, not very traditional. Um, and I did want to ask you because romance games for me, I'm, I'm not very experienced in them and um, they make me a little nervous. I think the idea of playing a romance game. So I'm wondering if you have, I, I'm sure out of the listeners, I'm not the only person. So I was wondering if you have any like suggestions for ways that people can um, be comfortable trying romance games and maybe which games to start with. Good question. Um, well, I often recommend Shooting the Moon for sort of the reason that you interacted with it through. It doesn't have to be heavy about the romance, you know, because there's this element of pursuit. And also you're really exploring the world. You're figuring out what do these characters care about and what do they want to accomplish. Um, and then within that, there can be a thread of romance between them. And in your, 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 uh, the way that you interpreted it was more like just wanting to have the attention, I guess, of mm-hmm. the master and being like the, the one who is, you know, appreciated and, you know, raised up above the others. Um, and in a lot of shooting the moon games, it really becomes about the ambitions of the characters. And then the, the romance aspect of it is there, but it's not like overwhelming and it isn't um, the main element of it. The, the, the way the game works, there's like a, a menu, different things you can do in any turn. And one of them is flirt, but a lot of the others have to do with, you know, like making trouble for the other character. And that kind of thing might be a little bit more comfortable for people who are used to a more confidential or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever kind of gaming, there's a lot of, there's, it's not just all about combat these days. Hooray. There's a lot of different <laughs> kinds of things you can do. Um, and uh, so that, that is one that I do recommend. Um, and also something I've seen people do is if they have a campaign that they're running like D or whatever, and maybe they have characters that they're interested in getting to see more about them. And they think there would be, an interesting romantic connection with another maybe player character or maybe NPC or, or, or whatever you have at the game. Um, I've seen people go and do side campaigns about them, um, maybe using Breaking the Ice or, um, you know, Starcross would be fantastic. Um, and then just playing a little side game with the characters. So it's almost like doing a little bit of fanfic for your campaign. Um, and then that, you know, it has all the things that we talked about earlier about breaking the ice where it's not, you know, you're not exposed to everybody. You can like make a misstep and you work it out with the other person. Also, um, I think there is this thing where romance is wonderful, but if everybody's really on about like killing that dragon or like taking over this kingdom, you know, just having somebody hang out and like chat and fall in love, that can be a little bit of a side quest that maybe not everybody has to be there for. So having a private session or doing it online or, you know, whatever, even just writing it out or, you know, it doesn't even have to be a fully fleshed game. It could just be, Hey, this is how I'm thinking about it. might've happened. You know, there's millions what of people doing narrative fic online, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yep. and, and narrative RP that is just, you know, like, epistolary or, or you know like just correspondence of what you want to see for your character and that's a a, a very valid way to do it too so maybe uh, uh figuring out what characters you'd be interested in seeing romance for and then finding a venue that feels comfortable and you know maybe doesn't maybe if they're concerned about taking away time from the main plot you can do it in your own time um and then also um obviously everybody has to be on board for it right so not asking players to do it who don't want to. And that's great. You know, it's really important for everybody to get what they want out of the table to, you know, sort of bring this creative consensus that we all have to build in order to role play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but, but there are folks who might be interested. So 
if you have a game group, maybe saying, hey, this is something I'm kind of interested in doing. Would anybody like to do this at some point? And then we can make a subset of the group that wants to try it out. And then, you know, there's a ton of games that have romance or sex as some element of the game. Like um, a lot of the Powered by the Apocalypse games have sex moves. Yeah. And and it, it, I've seen it be work really well for people who maybe wouldn't ever have done that because it's integrated into the mechanics. So they say, okay, all right, well, all right, I can uh, like take over a ghost, or I can like move this, you know, these rocks, or I can, you know, do this thing with the the maelstrom. Or oh, interesting. When my character has sex with somebody else, there's this neat narrative thing that happens, and it helps me in this way mechanically down the road. All right, I'll think about that. And so then since it has a context mechanically and the, and the game sort of gives you this relationship laden community, you can find a way to do that. Um, and then also there's games that, that really focus on it. Like some of the ones we're going to talk about or um, uh, Dream Askew is a wonderful queer uh, post-apocalypse or, or apocalypse utopian game which has a really great space for exploring the way you forge community and and bonds with one another so um so sort of it's a spectrum you know you can see okay how much do we want to bring it in how do we want it to be represented and then um moving maybe from you know getting your toe wet to a game that that highlights that kind of connection more and more so, so I hope there's a few useful tidbits in there somewhere. <laughs> yes, there were several useful tidbits in there. Thank you. I uh, had forgotten. I, as soon as you said Powered by the Apocalypse, I remember that was a mechanic. And I, I think that's very helpful um, to some people to have them approach it mechanically and how it will help the character and the story so that it f- doesn't feel forced. And almost it feels like there's um, a more like, I don't know, logical or technical reason to do it at first, that might be more comfortable for some people. And then I also love the idea of the side campaign too. Cool. We play a lot of campaigns at our table and I just think that's a great idea because you're right, not everyone at a table of 10 necessarily wants to have a romance or watch a romance unfold. But if two or three or four players do, what a cool, what a cool side quest. Yeah. So thank you. I mean, oh, what what awesome. RPG group doesn't have a week where not everyone shows up, you know? So totally. Yeah, true. You can even have it be a romance that NPCs have. Like, okay, there's this couple that wants to get married, but they have to sneak off, and then the PCs can help them. You know, so like, there's a lot of ways that it can be part of the story, but then manage the the level of uh, because that's another whole element there that's really important to be aware of. Is just you're having this interaction between the characters, and then the players have to be comfortable with interacting with the characters that way you know so um for example this is something that is really important to take into part into account if there's a game that has people of different ages it's very good to make sure that you are not having characters of people of different ages have romantic connections because it is immediately not cool (laughs) and and and, um, yet if they're people of the same age and it's appropriate it's not that they're having a romance it's just that there are all of these social issues that you you want to um, be aware of and not 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 bring people into tangled ground, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an excellent point. Yeah, I, I, I'd run um, Hot Guys Making Out for the show, and I know that that's kind of oh, yeah. based in, in Yowie, which which I mean, you can look it up. Uh, if you don't know what Yaoi is, it's, it's a Jap- I think Japanese form of entertainment. Um, but I know it kind of deals with with that age range, and so I know whenever I ran it, I ran it. You know, the ages were a little closer together, just for both my comfort level and the other players' comfort level. And mm-hmm. but Hot Guys Making Out, which the title is a little more, I guess, steamy than than, <laughs> than what the game is. I mean. There's definitely- like- it's yeah, like this incredibly serious game, right? Yeah. About yeah. Uh, fascism and Spain and revolution. And it's yeah. got this wonderfully um, incendiary and, you know, hot title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, there's definitely definitely some making out at some point, guys. But, but I, I mean, the, I think the game and story is, is there's a lot more to it, which it's, it's one that I really enjoyed running and playing and while well, playing it as well. So mm-hmm. it's awesome. 
Um, so what what um what other romance games are kind of have or have your attention right now? Or you're really excited about? I mean, for for everybody, not just not just you, Emily. I've been going on about Starcrossed. We, we can talk about it more definitely. But. Yeah, you had mentioned feathers. Uh, yeah. in, our, in our chat. Uh, yeah, I want to hear a little bit more about that if you want to talk about it because I looked at it and I just didn't get around to actually getting it and going through it. But Sure. Well, it just came out recently. Um, I haven't gotten to play it yet, but it's um, by Rami Parman um, and it um, I was looking through it today. It's um, it's in the realm of Powered by the Apocalypse. It's the Belonging Outside Belonging System by Avery Alder mm-hmm. um, that um, uh, I mentioned Dream Askew earlier. That's one of the, the Belonging Outside um, Belonging games. And this one, the premise is that, that you're playing angels who have left heaven. And it's very intentionally a metaphor or allegory for um, uh, transgender transition and being part of and yet being outside of society and trying to find your way. Um, so it's not the, the theme of romance and love isn't the central tenet of it, but there's a character called the lover and they are looking for connection with others um, it, as they have left heaven and um, the, the characters are being part of what's called the flock. So they're part, trying to fit in with humanity. Um, and uh, I love this game. It's just so beautifully evocative. One of the things that you do when you're creating the characters, you you describe your wings. You know, it just oh. just seems so like you know gorgeous. Um, and it has those the elements of of that um, the belonging outside belonging system where you're doing things that are weak moves that sort of bring you into vulnerability, and then that allows you to later make more more powerful moves so that you can like have agency in the world and uh, Mm -hmm. so yeah so that seemed like a really cool one and i'm excited to get to play that yeah that i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna pick that up which whenever you had mentioned it i hadn't even heard of it and i looked it up and knew that it was something i want to get you know try out at some point but yeah that just Mm -hmm. makes it sound even more just incredible just everything you said about uh, the system it uses and and um, that it I mean it's kind of an allegory for for uh, transitioning and so that's one I definitely definitely want to get my hands on sooner mm-hmm. as soon as possible. Um, and another one we were talking about when we were chatting about the show was Good Society. And oh, had yeah. one of you gotten to play that yet? Or um, I haven't played it. I've read through it because I have a friend. Uh, she's not. I mean, she hasn't done any role playing, but this game I saw it come up because she's she's an English teacher and she's been to Jane Austen and everything. And I was like, well, if I ever can get her interested in a role playing game, it's going to be Good Society because that's where her interests lie. And I, and so I backed it. And just the more I read about it, the more. I mean, the system's really great with the connections and um, just I like I like the whole character creation and like part of it uh there's a lot there's a lot that that decides like the tone of the game like in character creation and the collaborative i guess it's the collaborative phase at the beginning of the game yeah i like that that they have this area carved out where it's called the collaboration yeah. and you're like setting the tone and figuring out what it's going to be like and um and the whole austin setting is it again it's like when we were talking before about people being excited about games about wolves people love Jane Austen and there's right. even like fiction about going into Austin and you know, that I can't remember the name, but was it uh, Austin world where it's a lark basically where people <laughs> go and play it. And I mean, that, uh, seems so it, like, that seems like a very obvious thing that would, that would be out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's primed. It sort of primes people who are, are um, interested in popular media to get into our little weird niche of role playing, right? Because right. <laughs> it's it's accessible. It's something that they can imagine themselves doing. But just like Harry Potter has been very a really good a bridge point for, yeah. for role play, it seems. Yeah, that's uh, good societies from Story Brewers, which I am, you know, I'm terrible at being prepared. I should have these notes ahead of the, who the designers are. Well, they're at Story Brewers on Twitter, so people can find them there. Yeah, yeah, and I'll 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 link to all the games we talk about definitely in the show notes. So. Awesome. That way, people can if if you're interested in them, you can find them and, and you know get get in contact or go straight to the drive through or whatever pages they're being sold through. 
Well, Tim and I don't really celebrate uh, Valentine's Day. It's just not something that we've ever celebrated in our in our relationship. But um, we are going to play a romance game. We're planned on trying a romance game uh, this year as kind of our celebration since gaming is is our hobby. Uh, and now I can't decide if I want to play Breaking the Ice or Starcrossed. <laughs> we might have to <laughs> we might have to do both. <laughs> yeah, make a whole night of it. We might exactly. We might have to. <laughs> We might have to do both because they both sound uh, like the next games I want to play. Actually, they both sound really exciting. So those are the top awesome. of my list. That's great. What a great way to celebrate for gamers. Yeah. A gamer's Valentine's Day. Right? <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Something I won't ever have. <laughs> so I've kind of related to that and kind of what about like gaming like with your partner? I mean, it's something I have no experience with. I don't know if that's something that's even worth talking about, if there's anything interesting there. So uh, I think, you know, it's really interesting to just thinking in general about playing games with one's partner. Um, it can be really fun and it can be really weird. Um, uh, for a while uh, in one relationship I had, it was too competitive. So it wasn't comfortable. You know, like you ended up being in this situation where we're playing a game and one of us wins and one of us loses. So I love about role-playing games that that's not ever really where it goes. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, there are games where you're trying to accomplish something or you can fail or do better, but mostly it's about just seeing what happens. So um, there's a lot of room there to just have a great time and have an interesting narrative experience with your partner. And you can pick what kind of role you want to have. Do you want to be close? Do you want to be distant you want to be at odds you know like we, we, everybody can find what is comfortable for them and I've definitely had to work with folks to navigate that in the romance trilogy um, because it totally depends on who you are what's comfortable you know um, some people have loved playing um, breaking the ice with their partner or with new partners there's one couple that I actually dedicated the book to who got married and they had been friends and they just kind of like tested the waters of like, could they be in a relationship as they were playing Breaking the Ice? So it was like one of the things that sort of like transitioned them from being friends to being partners. So it's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. So it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also the third game that I didn't talk about much earlier in the trilogy, Under My Skin, it's specifically about like stepping out of um, uh, committed relationships and um, lines of fidelity. So it's a very much like ser more serious kind of tone game, although it can be quite funny and light as well, but it's, it's just, it's a bigger ask really for people mm -hmm. to play. Um, and um, it's live action also, although there's a tabletop version, but the live action game just really has a lot of real heft and meat to it. Um, and so I've, there's a couple of games I facilitated. Whenever I facilitate this game, it's one of those games too, where I always fall in love with the stories people are doing. And I always feel just incredibly grateful that people are willing to go there with me and with each other. Um, and it often comes to a place of like a lot of moving poignant emotion. Um, and so working with people who are playing in the same group with their partner, you know, some people are just clear, okay, I never want to play with my partner. It just isn't something I'd be comfortable with. You know, we have our relationship and I don't want to get it mixed up with these weird character emotions. So that's not cool. And that is really a good clarity to have. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's good to just know. And then I've played with other people who have said, okay, we really want to play this. We want to play it together. And we want to have our characters not be emotionally entangled so let's just work together so that we have enough players so that you know like the little trios or so that sort of get formed up aren't going to have our characters interact we can maybe be friends and support one another but we're not going to interact across those lines and then i've had other people who say this is something we really want to be able to do like there's some even elements there that we'd like to be able to observe or experiment with not that they're like playing out their emotional relationship issues in the game but i've had people walk away and say that was so wonderful because like in the game when you're creating characters you start by choosing a core issue that's something that the character is challenged by or 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 struggles with you know and they can be things like anger or loneliness or you know just a variety of things that humans feel and that's you know sort of 
create fragilities in our lives. And so in, in one particular case, um, a player decided to take something that was similar to what their partner sort of experienced. And so they ended up playing characters that, that weren't closely connected, but they were able to observe what the other did, made choices that resembled what they might have done. And it just gave them this sort of space to reimagine each other or their relationship with one another. Um, and, you know, so, so it, it's just really fascinating seeing what people choose out of those things. And, and, you know, within that there's room to make a mistake. Like you might think, Oh, it'd be great to have our characters be in love in this. And then you go, Oh my goodness, this is beyond me. (laughs) 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 You want to step back. But, um, but yeah, I think it's a, just, there's a lot of room there. Um, And and also like playing something like breaking the ice can be fabulous because you're like, Oh, this is so fun and it's flirty and we can do that. But also it can be the wrong moment to do it. I had one friend who said we tried to play and we've played before and really enjoyed it, whatever, but we were a little bit at odds right then. And it was too much to ask for us to play characters who were just being all lovey-dovey when we were like not quite there. Mm -hmm. So again, that's that piece where there's a lot of distance in role play in a lot of games where you're not playing something that touches your heart as much. So when you are entering into romance or something more delicate or vulnerable, it's really great to be um, very present with the people who are doing it and to, you know, help listen, keep listening to them and say, okay, well, this is too much. Let's just go cuddle and watch a movie, you know, like, or, or go have dinner, you know, like, let's not do this if it's not good. But then maybe even that can help you build to a place where coming back to the game would be great because you've been able to communicate or something. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. Yeah, that that's sense. great. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad I asked. <laughs> yeah. Right. Me too. We, um, we've only ever had one other couple at our weekly table. Um, and they're no longer together. So it's been about a year since we've had another couple other than ourselves at our table. Uh, but Tim always, almost always GMs. So him and I don't usually play together. Um, but when we had the other couple at the table, no matter what game we played, their characters always knew each other in game. And it was fine. It never disrupted the table. They were both great players, fun to have. Um, That's cool. But I know you had touched on that, and that was them. They always yeah. knew each other in game, whether it was romantic or not. There was always some sort of backstory that they were connected. They came as a unit, which was That's really cool. cool. It brought some a, a different dynamic to the group, right? Especially when you play a game where you know you all meet at a tavern. Now get to yeah. know each other, right? They know each other. <laughs> um, Tim and I, I've noticed, tend to never know each other, and sometimes oh. when we when we get to be players, we don't even sit by each other at the table. It's almost like we, and I hadn't thought about this before, so Kent, feel free to like edit this out, but it's almost like we don't want to be seen that way. We want to maintain like we're, we're here as individual players. We're, you yeah. know, we're not necessarily a unit, even though we very much are. So it's interesting because we, we definitely play as individuals who don't know each other in the game every time. <sighs> So it's funny you brought that up. I hadn't thought of that before. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so neat. And it's just so cool that everybody can find their own space, you know, and it, 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 playing role playing games means different things to different people and you get different things out of playing with different friends or partners. And so it's kind of cool that you can find that space and have, have different adventures, different kinds of adventures with each other. Absolutely. Good question, Kent. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't ever think it it's, it's just not part of my life, you know, because Emily, my wife, Emily, just, she's, I mean, I flat out asked her, and this will all get cut probably, maybe we'll see. I flat out asked her, I was like, do you have any interest in this? She's like, I'm sorry, but I really don't. I was like, no, it's fine. Right. Just because we're married doesn't mean we have to like the same things. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have to do everything that the other one's doing. So it's right. just, you know, every once in a while I'll ask her and see if she says something because I mean, she's played like magic, the gathering and stuff with me before. So I think it's mm-hmm. something that maybe the right thing, she might like it. I don't see right. something she's ever doing all over and over. So every once in a while I'll float a game faster and say, it just sound like something you want to do. And, you know, yeah. yeah, haven't got there yet. <laughs> I, I mean, I think 
that's totally different topic, obviously, but I think there's an argument for the fact that you as a couple, not you can, but any yeah. couple shouldn't have all the same interests, right? You want to have some individual interests and, and a sense of self. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Um, well, we are coming up on about an hour and I don't want to take up okay. too much of, of everybody's time on a Sunday. So, well, I think that was a great conversation. Yeah. I think we covered a lot. Yeah. yeah. A lot of ground. Cool. Cool yeah. questions. And it's great to talk about. I, I often talk about my own romance games, but there's so many more out there. It's really wonderful to get to dig in to other people's work and because we need to see them all, play them all. Right. Yeah. There's so many games and yes, I think the goal is to play them all. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> the Pokemon theory of role playing games. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, um, Emily, thank you again so much for coming on and sharing with us. It's been been a, a pleasure, and uh, I've wanted to have you on. I can't. I want to get you back on again at some point, maybe for a game in the future. I think it'd be great sure. to have you on for that. Um, going out, you just want to tell everybody once again where they can find you online, where they you know just interact with you, or just anything you want to talk about. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast to get to talk romance and romance games. Um, my name is Emily Kerboss. I um, publish the Romance Trilogy. You can find my games at blackgreengames.com online and a variety of other platforms. And um, you can find me at, at, at Emily Care on Twitter and feel free to hit me up there. Thanks again, Emily, for being here. It was fantastic to finally get to, to meet you online and chat with you. Um, once again, I'm Kristen Devine. You can find me at Kristen is no Jedi on Twitter or at diceupgames.com or at diceupgames on all social media. Thanks again, Emily, so much for coming on, taking time out of your day to chat with us about romance games. Uh, it was a great chat. Um, again, I'm Kent, uh, Kent Blue. You can find me at RotoPlayPod on Twitter, uh, RotoPlayPodcast.com, which is how you're probably listening to this. So maybe that's a bit redundant. But anyways, I just want to remind everybody to get out there, have fun, and roll to play. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Visit Roll2PlayPodcast.com for more information. R-O-L-L-2PlayPodcast.com. Like us over on Facebook at Roll2PlayPodcast. Follow us on Twitter at Roll2PlayPod. Have a question or comment? Email us at road2playpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to play with a game with us, just hit us up on any of our social media and let us know. And lastly, our music is the intro track from the Spellbreaker EP by Triatachion. Visit soundcloud.com slash Triatachion.